Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for a match preview. Newcastle welcome Everton to St James's Park on Tuesday night. And as usual, I'm joined by John Gibson to look ahead to that game. Now, we've just had Eddie Howe's press conference, so there's lots to talk about. And John, that's where we're going to start. Not necessarily something to do with the Everton game, but I suppose the big point from Eddie Howe's press conference is that he doesn't expect Callum Wilson to be back until maybe the last few games of the season, which is a massive blow for Newcastle's oh, survival chances. Without a shadow of doubt. Uh, but there again, everything about Callum uh, tells us that we always face this sort of trepidation because he is injury prone. And what this has done for me is emphasise, and I banged on about what a good January we had, and, and we did. And in fairness to the owners at, and uh, Eddie Howe as part of the selection team, of transfer targets they did terrific and they had a, a, a big last day trying to get a forward in but not getting a forward in is really concentrating minds now because that is on the verge of being a big minus because um we're so thin up there it, it's untrue and um for me it puts an awful lot of pressure on chris wood to uh, come up and be a 25 million pound center forward which is what it what he is because we're going to have to rely on him so much with wilson missing for so long but you have to hope that he's he's taken the challenge at newcastle because he believes in himself he believes he can be that of, man of course and you've got to believe that newcastle united got it right in selecting him to be the center forward they were bringing in because they did pay over the odds i think everybody will agree with that including chris wood i think who privately has sort of said the fee surprised me uh, but they had to do it to get the release clause but he needs to start scoring goals again and when i say again it's because in the last four seasons He's had a fair return at Burnley, but this season he hasn't had a good return. Only three goals in all competitions, which is 20-odd games, 23 games. Not a good average for a centre-forward. We need him to hit the ground running now with the extra support he's got with the new signings because he's going to be the main man big time. It's interesting. I was watching parts of that game, that Burnley game versus Watford, and it wasn't one to, to really write home about. But you saw the way they played and the way their new striker, who replaced Chris Wood, fitted in. And, you know, that the play was pretty much exactly the same. And you look at Newcastle, and they're yet to adapt to Chris Wood's strengths. Yep. Do you think, given now we know Callum Wilson is going to be out pretty much for the rest of the season, hopefully he'll be back a lot sooner than that. But given that news... Do you think now we will see a, maybe a, a, a much more substantial change in the way they play to to play to Chris Wood's strengths? Well, Eddie Howe had to play to Chris Wood's strengths anyway because he spent twenty five million on him, and we knew that Callum Wilson wasn't going to come back in the next few games, and and even if he come back in four or five games' time, we can't waste those points. We've got it's now or never. The die's been cast. We've got the players we've got for good, bad, or indifferent. So it's now or never between now and the end of the season. We either stay up or we don't on what can be conjured out of the rest of the season, both tactically and availability of players and how quickly he puts the new players straight in the team, etc. It's now or never. And with two home games in five days this week, we've got to be amongst the points big time. Oh, 100%. But I would really like them to see on Tuesday just a, a total different approach to the game and I know it's not something that is maybe necessarily going to be pretty on the eye and it may be in many ways 
might nullify Allen's at maximum to a certain degree. But when you have a big man up front like Chris Wood, you have to hope that over the last couple of weeks on the, on the training ground, I know he's been away on international duty, but you have to hope they have tweaked it ever so slightly to make sure they get more crosses into the box to aim for the big tall man because he's not going to do what Callum Wilson does. He's not going to no. you know, run the channels and run in behind the defence. He's not going to do that. So but, they need to change it. You're right, Andrew. But hey, they made the bid. They got him. They knew what they were getting. It doesn't take a rocket science. It, 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 it doesn't take uh, anybody but a blind guy to see what wood is. And if you buy wood, you know what you're buying and you must be prepared to play his way or you don't have him. It was like the old days with Wynn Davis when we won the European First Cup. He played the Pacific way. We had to to get the best out of him. It's not like there's suddenly a surprise and you man just come in and inherited wood and thought, oh dear me, I don't play that way. We spent $25 million to get him in so and we know what his strengths are. We also know what his limitations are. So we must be prepared to play to his strengths. It can't be anything of a shock to Eddie and the coaches. So we've got to expect that Newcastle go about getting the best out of him. Otherwise, why on earth did he spend 25 mil? I did hear someone say, I think it was on BBC Five Live, that Chris Wood tends to find a bit of form after February or you know after the transfer window, the, the winter game. So fingers crossed he can start with a couple of goals against Everton on Tuesday. We'll talk about the other arrivals this January for Newcastle United and Bruno Gomerez obviously is the marquee signing, the big name wanted by some top clubs. Newcastle persuaded him that Tyneside was the right move for him. You excited to see him? Yes, I'm delighted he's here. Uh, I think he'll give us an awful lot. Um, he's got a great uh, percentage uh, pass rate. is very, very good. He is not... Yes, silky midfielder that's Peter Beardsley or Tony Green playing up there as well. He is basically a defensive midfielder who can pass the ball. So we've got to remember that that's his job and not think he's, he's a Brazilian midfielder who's going to come in, flick it up his trouser leg three times, not make four people and stick it in the top corner. He's a different sort of midfielder to that. But he would be very welcome to a back four that's let in 43 goals in 21 games. He is a defensive shield just in front of them, which is what is needed. We're not playing a, a three, a narrow three. We're not playing a five at the back now. We'll play a four, uh, so he'll help there. But he can get forward, and he, he, he's, his pass completion rate is excellent. And I'm looking forward very, very much uh, to seeing him. And as I said on the previous podcast, out of the five signings, because I don't think of Trippier as being a foreign signing because uh, he knew the Premier League ever so well and he played there with uh, Spurs and Burnley. So the only one that's had to come in and find the pace of the league, etc., is Bruno. But I'm hoping that he's released into the side early because we can't afford to wait... Time is not on our side. If he's a good player, and he is a good player, if he's a current Brazilian international, and he is, then surely he's ready to go into a Newcastle United side and improve it uh, without having to be, um, uh, you know, wrapped in cotton wool. Uh, I think you go in and say, you're a good player, son. There's no danger about that. That's why you're in the Brazilian side. Come in and improve us. And it's refreshing to be talking about January rivals or any rivals really when it comes to Newcastle United that don't need 
time to get their fitness up that haven't been sitting on the bench for the last three, four months, you know, because yeah. usually I'm thinking maybe like a Danny Rose wasn't in the side. Newcastle oh went after him. Don't but, depress me. <laughs> Newcastle went after him and he, he never really looked fit. Whereas this, these guys, Bruno Gomez, we've seen Kiwi and Trippier, they've played regularly and for, for good sides, they've been in competitive football action. So they should be able to, to fit straight in into the side. On that midfield, Eddie Howe in his press conference said Joe Linton is trained and is looking good, so it looks like he's going to be yep. ready to be picked. How does the midfield line up for you? Good question. Well, we'll play with a flat back four, which if you were starting with everybody, and he's, he's given a little note of caution in his press conference, which is five's a big number, it's half a team, obviously. Uh, and, you know, integrating them all at once, you know, you, and you've got to look at anybody that's come from a foreign country, i.e. Bruno and wonder, is he ready, etc., etc. Well, all I would say to all that is two of the five aren't new to us, would in, in Trippier, they have been integrated into the side already, so we're only talking about three. And Newcastle side, regardless of them winning at Leeds, which was a one-off, that's quite obvious, was only their second win of the season, uh, need help as, as quick as they can. And in the long term, I would see the midfield, and I would hope this would be in the short term against Everton as well. I think you would, you would play with a fat-back four, which would be um, Trippier on one side, Target on the other side, uh, Dan Byrne, hopefully okay and fit, and then you you have one of the original guys in with him. Uh, you would look up front, would obviously be Wilson, uh, Fraser wide, San Maximum perhaps out wide on the other side. I would look at the two the two midfielders to dictate things to be Bruno and, and Shelby, and the third one to be Joe Lynn. So you'd keep Shelby in the side then? It, it's. I think that the manager will keep Shelby in the side. I'm trying to think of the the way Newcastle will play. The manager will keep Shelby in the side, yes. There's a real hope, isn't there, that Bruno can bring the best out of Jolinton. And we've saw Jolinton get on really well under Eddie Howe's management. And then we saw Bruno being welcomed into the dressing room when he arrived on Tyneside on, on was it Thursday or Friday. And we saw them having a bit of a chat. And you're just hoping with a fellow, fellow countryman in, in, in the ranks that can pushed Joe Linton on to become even better than he has been this season. Yes, absolutely. I mean, they were bound to have spent some time together. They're the two Brazilians in the Newcastle squad. Um, Joe Linton's been a revelation. Having said that, the bar was so low to start with when he was playing as a centre-forward that the improvement has been quite significant. But it's got to be better still long term if he's going to have an influence in the team. I know that a lot of people were uh, comparing him with Patrick Vieira when he first came in the side and he dropped to mid midfield and that's obviously because of the guy's size uh, as well. He's a big, tall, strong guy for a midfielder. But if there's, if he's going to seriously get anywhere near Viria, and he's not going, not many did. But having said that, then he's got to start hurting people. He's done well. He's held his own in there. He, he's used the ball quite effectively. But he's a big guy, and he's a powerful guy, and he's got a good touch. He has now got to start hurting people, and that's the next step for him. You mentioned there the back line. Dan yeah. Byrne. Yeah. Now, there is a bit of a doubt he has an affected to Eddie Howe confirmed to the press today, but there's hope that he will be able to start against against Everton and that he will be assessed before, obviously, the team sheet and what have you. But let's say Dan Byrne starts, you know, he, people have spoken about him. At Brighton, he was held in such high regard 
bit of sadness he left, but obviously when your boy or cl- club comes of knocking, course. there's only going to be one outcome of the match, the asking price. So he starts, let's say, who starts alongside him? Fernandez isn't fit. Paul Dummett isn't fit. That leaves you with... You've taken the best two out, of I was going to say, a lot of people have been saying it in an ideal world, um, aside from signing somebody else, them two would be fighting for the, the first position alongside him. But then you're left with Fabian Cher and Jamal Lascelles because, of course, Kieran Clark not in the squad. So, yeah. out of Lascelles and Cher, who gets the nod? Lascelles from Eddie Howe. Not necessarily from me, but I would fully expect Lascelles to um, to get the nod from Eddie Howe. They... Quite frankly, I'm, I'm not overthrilled by either of them starting because I think Cher, who is terrific on the ball, has got a mistake in him. And at the moment, Lascelles has got several uh, things wrong with his game. But it would be one heck of a statement, you know, from the manager if the, the, the person he drops in, in a huge reshuffle with new players is his club captain. And I don't think he will drop him. I think he'll play Lascelles. But I, I, and I don't think that'll please... Quite a few Newcastle fans. I think 100%. I, I think he'll not drop his captain just yet. No. I think you'll give him as many chances as possible. He hasn't played well recently. The hope was, and I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, that they went out and signed someone of real, real quality. And that's not a slate on Dan Byrne, who has got no. real quality. In the pre in the uh, the podcast we did with Brighton writer Richie Mills, who introduced us to Dan Byrne, he said Dan Byrne was in the form of his career. You know, He's been absolutely excellent over the last few years. But he's not the top, top class centre back I think many were hoping for. Obviously, Newcastle's Premier League position doesn't help. Clubs don't necessarily want to sell. And if they see Newcastle coming, they want a big bucks. We know what happened with Carlos and Botman. But there was a hope that they would bring someone in and that would improve Lascelles' game. Do you think Dan Byrne can be the man to do that? Dan Byrne's got to look after himself. Uh, and I think he will do a good job. In the perfect world, in the world is never perfect, we would have had, as well as Byrne, a top, top quality centre-half to go with Byrne and a good forward who could score goals. In a perfect world, those two signings would have come on top of the others. A good, good quality centre-half to play with Byrne and a centre-forward because of the injuries with Callum Wilson. That's a perfect world. It isn't a perfect world. Um, but, yes, we're going to have... The great concern is if Byrne wasn't fit to play against Everton, what then? Now, the answer for Maria would be, well, Shaw and Lascelles kept a clean sheet in the last game and we won away at Leeds. But uh, how often have those two kept a clean sheet all this season? Uh, we've only had one of their clean sheet and that was Burnley. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there is... A problem, and of course, you know, when we're talking, Burn is left sided uh, um, of a two or of a three, and so is Dummett. So, there would be a problem playing them two together, for example. One would have to move across, and presumably that would be Burn, would it? I don't know, but it, but you know, Paul Dummett concerns me because he come in, he, he did well when he played his first game, he got a bit of a run around in his second game, and um, and now he's out of the equation again and uh, he's had an awful season with injuries and you just wonder how much you can rely on him. But they must feel that he's going to come strong again because they kept him in the squad and they, they let Jamal Lewis uh, go out of the squad. Of course, well, he's vying for a new contract, isn't he, as well, Paul Dunn? So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the summer. On Kieran Clark, 
out of this out of the, the the squad for the remainder of the season. Obviously, hasn't had the best few months, and probably what happened over in Saudi and getting sent off didn't really um uh, you know please too many people. I, I would imagine. But are you sad to see him out of the squad, or do you think it's a justified move? No, it's a hard old world, and it's a justified move. I I would say Kieran Clark has been a terrific servant to Newcastle United. He's one of the most honest players. He rolls his sleeve up, and he gives you everything he's got. I think he's passed his sell-by date. Um, what happened in Saudi was might have been an embarrassment, but the one that cost Newcastle was getting sent off in the first 10 minutes against Norwich. Uh, and no, of the centre-halves we've been playing, Charles, Lascelles and Clark, because Fernandes has been injured and, and Dummett's been injured, any of the three for me could be replaced in the Newcastle United first team, but Clark was the obvious one to go. So I think it's a right decision and I think he should go with the blessing of us all because he's done a great job for Newcastle, but enough was enough. And Lewis, I was... Again, I mean, sad, but it might be the wrong kind of word. But I, I, I feel for Jamal Lewis. I think he's still got to create Newcastle United. He hasn't gone to plan. He needs first-team football. Obviously, they've brought my target in. But I would have thought it would have been good to have two proper left-backs. I mean, one of the better, I mean, I think they are two proper left-backs vying for that position. Yeah, I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Because, orthodox. Yes, they orthodox, play yes. Yeah. They, they can yeah. actually play a left-back. It is a natural yeah. position for them. I, I think that was the one surprise, Andrew, if, if you look at the whole squad and who was going to be left out, they, they, the one left out was Jamal Lewis. Because when he first came, his first season here, he looked all over the place. We were all shocked and thought, why on earth have we bought him? He can't defend and he's a left-back. It seems a slight uh, disadvantage when you can't defend as a left-back, albeit these days they're more obsessed about you getting forward as a full-back than defensive duties. But when he come back in the side just before his injury, he looked more than decent. Um, it boiled down to his decision, which is very interesting because we're talking about people that could play orthodox left-back um, and targets here. But it was him or Dummett, you know. And because Dummett's a left back, we forget that. Although he can play centre half, Dummett's a left back, uh, and presumably they, they thought Dummett's going to be fit enough and, and has more experience, and that's why he's kept the place. And uh, our guy hasn't. And I guess also Matt Ritchie has played there quite often. Yeah, played there badly quite often. Yes, and anyhow, set the day. He's out longer term, so he's not going to be around for oh, you would imagine I mean, the next month or so. Absolutely, Paul Dummett. It looks like he's going to be out. He hasn't. He says Eddie House that he hasn't trained yet, so that could be. Do you imagine yep. Villa? I mean, that's the interesting thing. Matt Target can't play against Aston Villa, and we'll talk about that in the next preview episode. But it's worth noting that you know he could have a storm against Everton, and then he'll be out of the side come come Sunday. Yeah, um, you've got to think that uh, if and it doesn't look as if Dummett would be fit for Sunday because he, he's talking about him not training right now, so how could he play on Sunday? Yeah, you would think. Manquillo playing on the wrong side, which he's never let me down on one-off occasions, so you would think that would have to be the answer on Sunday. Whether, But it's interesting, isn't it, that you, you, you get rid of Lewis out the squad, but you've kept Richie and Dummett, both of whom in the short term of genuine injury problems. It's a big blow to Lewis, isn't it? I mean... To him personally, yeah. I think it's a huge blow, yes. That's a surprise. I don't think Clark was a surprise. I don't think Hayden, with his injury, uh, that has been a, a, a big problem for him, is a surprise, especially with Bruno coming into the club. 
Um, but yes, the surprise, if you have a slightly raised eyebrow, is uh, Lewis not being part of the squad. Because I think you mentioned on a previous podcast many, many weeks ago that you felt Lewis was a bit of a confidence player. He needed an arm around oh, him. I think he, very much so. I think he needs an arm around the shoulder. So this wouldn't have done him the world of good. Interesting, interesting, and it created a lot of debate on social media, which is always interesting to go through. On the names you've mentioned, obviously Bruno Gomez, Matt Target, and Dan Byrne. We do have some podcasts speaking to player uh, journalists who have watched these three throughout their career. You can find them on the podcast channel below. Just type in introducing and then their name and you'll find them. We have Jonathan Johnson who introduced Bruno Gomez. We have Richie Mills, as I previously mentioned, introducing Dan Byrne. And we had Ashley Priest uh, from Burnham Live introducing Matt Target. And we'll hear from Ashley as well later on the week to preview the Aston Villa game. On to Everton themselves and Frank Lampard. Yep. Once linked to the Newcastle United job, obviously. Yep. He did a good job at Derby. He did a good job at Chelsea. Many people thought he was shown the door far too early and rather cruelly. He's taken a while to pick uh, his his next job. He was heavily linked to the job at Norwich. Apparently he was interviewed. In fact, some people say he was offered it. Wasn't for him there in the there in the mix, aren't they? For, for relegation, for many, would he? no, it wouldn't. Dean Smith, though, I tell you what, he's done a cracking job there, and yeah. unfortunately, so this guy's a bit more high profile yes. than Dean Smith. But Dean Smith has done an excellent job. But it's interesting though because you look at whoever came in at Norwich, and even if Frank Lampard had gone to Norwich, you look at that and think, well, you, you're seeing thirty percent chance of survival, seventy percent chance going down, rebuild job, come up next season, and then you kick on, you know, in, in a couple of years' time. Here, the, the expectation is fully that he's co- going to come in and keep Everton up. But if Newcastle beat Everton on Tuesday, that drags them right in, and they are looking very, very shaky. And he said today or on Saturday in his press conference, it's going to take a few weeks to get everything implemented. And obviously, they, they beat Brentford four-one in the yeah. cup, but you know they're still looking a little bit vulnerable. I think it's a bit of a risk from Lampard personally to take that job. I don't think it is. I don't think they'll go down. No. Well, uh, one team uh, always falls, though. Well, yeah. And I think if that happens and one team does fall, it'll be Brentford. You think? Yes, I do. Um, Brentford are eight points ahead of Newcastle as things stand, but they've played two more games than Newcastle as things stand. And. And this puts Everton beating them into uh, perspective for me. Four-one, you know, should we get scared? Lampard and four-one, they lost four-one. Brentford, they'd lost the previous four league games. They've lost the last four league games and now an FA Cup game. That's a stone dropping like that. Now the eight points difference between us and them. If we won the two games that we have in hand over them, it would be two points. And if we get the points we would dearly like this week, which would be two win, two home wins, then when, if somebody's going to drop into it that's not the famous bottom four that we've talked about, three from four, and it still looks three from four, but if it's not going to be three from four, I think Everton, especially having got Lampard, looking man for man at the quality of the players they've got, not just the two new big signings that'll make their debut at Newcastle. I think the the team that's likely to drop into it because there's half a season to go is Brentford. Mm. I mean, Newcastle have got to beat Everton, haven't they, on Tuesday? Oh, yes, without a shadow of a doubt because we've built it up, built it up, built it up, the, the January transfer window. This is now Eddie Howe's team. This is now sink or swim team. We can't change anything in terms of personnel now. 
So we've got to get on with it. And it's all right saying, oh, Everton's tough because they've got Lampard and Aston Villa's tough because they've got Jared. They're all tough if you've played like Newcastle have in the first part of the season. But they've got to start winning. And that starts on Tuesday night. Please. We've got nearly 25 minutes in without saying the phrase must win. <laughs> because I don't want to say that anymore. <laughs> and, uh, I think the little bit of uh, the considerable amount of, of confidence that has been given to Newcastle fans and hope that when we've said it's must win, we've said that with desperation. We've almost not added the words and we probably won't. It's but now it's different. There's a feeling that we can and yeah. we probably will. It's such a strange feeling though, isn't it? I was thinking about this the other day, like Newcastle are in a survival fight. They beat Leeds, brilliant win, but you know they still look a bit iffy. They lose against Everton, all hell breaks loose and you think, well, I can't really see how they're going to get out of it. And yet, and it's, there's this confidence just around the fan base. Like It doesn't feel like Newcastle United are fighting for their lives here, does it? It doesn't to me. It, it did before January. Yes. Uh, it doesn't now. Uh, but let's be make one thing certain: we are fighting. For oh yes, lives. yes. We've only got two league wins all season. We've only kept two clean sheets all season. We've let in forty-three games and goals in twenty-one games. That tells you that we're fighting for our life. And although it was a good result at the weekend when Burnley and Watford drew not not because we didn't want somebody to get three points, we dropped one more position in the league table to second bottom. If you're second bottom with two league wins all season, two clean sheets all season and 43 goals conceded, you're in the claggy all right. And, and we are. There's up, but there's a fee feeling for the first time this season that we can actually get out of it. And I think we can. But I tell you what, we've got to start now. Yeah. We're not going to get out of it. You know, if, if we went... And I don't think we will. But if we went the two home games this week and won neither, say drew them both or whatever, then we are in dire trouble. We've got to start winning, and this is the chance. The the sadness is that Everton and Aston Villa are better now than they were earlier in the season. We've we haven't played them at the right time, but there's in the right time. They'll be thinking. We haven't got Newcastle at the right time. They signed five people in January. If we could have got Newcastle before January, we would have rolled them over no danger. That's life. I think Everton's the easier game out of the two. Aston Villa, as we'll speak about last year later in the week, will be the more difficult of games. Um, Eddie Howe was asked about Everton in his press conference. He said, every new manager naturally changes the dynamics slightly and asks them to do different things. Frank will have his philosophy, which was evident against Brentford. They have a strong team, so we'll have to be at our very best to win, as you'd expect. You know, you'd expect them to say that. By the way, have you noticed the interesting thing now? Every press conference I, I listen to, and I'm not talking Newcastle United, I'm talking about the, the Premier League, it's a tough game. Pep Guardiola, when he plays at home to Norwich, who were bottom in it, it was a tough game. Managers, it's manager speak. It's always a tough game. The side's always better than the, the position in the table indicates. Um, so, yes, I would expect people to say that, but we have got to start winning tough games. Yeah, we've got to believe in ourselves as well. Like, you know, we know Everton have got some good players, signed Deli Alley, uh, but we've got to believe that Newcastle are better than them and can beat them. And Frank Lampard on Saturday was asked about a couple of players 
You had Ben Godfrey, who will be missing, it looks like, because he picked up a hamstring injury. Yeah, yeah, you then yes. have uh, Calvert-Lewin, who didn't feature. Frank Lampard said he was training by himself and we'll need to assess him before Tuesday. I mean, that could just be a bit of mind games, you know, because you're not going to tell Newcastle United that not. the big striker is going to be available. But, you know, if he is missing, that's a big blow for Everton because he is their talisman. He is the Callum Wilson of, of Everton, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, there's absolutely no question about that. But, I mean... We, we haven't mentioned uh, Danny van der Beek from Manchester United and Deli Alley. Both will be making their debuts at Newcastle. Both were cup-tied against Brentford. Uh, so they'll be making their debuts. They will strengthen the team considerably. And us Townsend's coming back up to Geordie Land. Rondon is, although he'll only be on the, on the bench. But they've got good players. Charleston. Oh, I mean, what a what a good striker, temperamental, but what a good striker. He, he's the Brazilian that that might out-Brazilian Joe Linton and Bruno on the day. Um, they've got good players, which is why I don't think they'll go down. And I especially don't think they'll go down now they've got Frank Lampard. Um, we just need to catch them before they get into the swing in the Premier League. And because I think Brentford, Brentford at home for... Lampard was the perfect start. That's what you want because you've got a real, real chance. Um, but Newcastle, if they if they don't win this sort of game, where are they going to win? We've said that uh, a few times this season. We, we have, <laughs> but but there's hope now. Yeah. Let let me play devil's advocate and throw this at you, which is quite fun, and I'm cheating really. But Newcastle are unbeaten since December the nineteenth. Now. And I'm being naughty because it's only three games. One of the reasons we're unbeaten is because we've just had a fortnight off and it's very difficult to get beaten a fortnight off. So we're unbeaten. But it's only three games. Manchester United won one, Watford won one, and Leeds won nil. Now, in the middle of that, Watford won one was a diabolical result and we lost at home to Cambridge in the Cup. But I'm just looking in the league. Devils had good in the league. We're unbeaten since December 19. Good draw with Man U. Horrendous draw with Watford, won at Leeds. Let's improve on that. We've got to improve on that. Uh, I mean, you, you look at Everton, fourth bottom. I mean, then nearly their record, and I know this was under um, Rafa and then one game under Big Dong, but their possession stats are horrendous. Uh, they've kept three clean sheets, that's all, this season. We've kept only two. So, you know, and they're what? fifth bottom so you know they aren't clever and we aren't clever we're two big clubs punching under our weight and you know we've got to both get out of it and that's why we've both changed managers and thankfully we've also changed only um so yes but we've got to hit the ground running and i would like to see as many of the new signings as are available thinking of Dan Burn with his toe to play because to me there's only three that you're putting in the team the other two already in yeah. would would trip you Dan Burn would, would absolutely relish tomorrow night I mean you're a boyhood Newcastle United fan you're going of back course. to the club that let you go as a as 11 year old of course 52,000 it's going to be boisterous it's going to be lively it's under the lights we're going to have displays at both ends of the ground it's going to be a fantastic setting and hopefully Newcastle United just take advantage of it well, they've got to, where that situation, where they've got to. I mean, so often recently we've talked about war flags, 
the atmosphere, full ground, 52,000, all the Geordies with the team because they're not now against the manager or the owner, which that were earlier in the season, and wonderful atmosphere and all. And it has been, and then we've kicked off. And it's been a different ball game when we've kicked off. We, we, we've had, we haven't won at home in this new wonderful atmosphere yet. That's the whole point because we beat Burnley. We haven't. We keep talking about the wonderful atmosphere, and this isn't having to go with the crowd. They all want. That's what. I think the point, point is the crowd do their point. It's now up to the players they to, do. to, to but match the it. The players haven't got the yeah. right reaction to that yet. We have not won under this new atmosphere. It's about time we did, and this is the match we should. Well, this is the next question. As always, we'll finish off, John. Yeah. How is it going to end? With a Newcastle win narrowly. I'll take that. I'm gonna I'm gonna back you on that as well. And your Castle United win. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where you can keep a date with all the latest Newcastle United news, including all that Eddie Howe had to say before this game against Everton. We'll have the live blog on Tuesday night as well, where you can keep a date with every kick from St James's Park. And please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider. <laughs>